2: Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Welcome on it all to Monday Football Monday here on the SB Nation NFL show. A reminder that the SB Nation NFL show is presented by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with code SBNFL because life's more fun when you're in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void or prohibited. See DraftKings.com. For details as noted this is monday football monday on the espionation nfl show make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast apple devices spotify whatever thank you for tagging all of us in your spotify wrapped you can also watch this show if that is more your thing on the espionation nfl youtube channel because we are everywhere we are like um i don't know what we are like at this point in time uh i say we the incredible Rachel Prevet is on the ones and twos as always my name is rjo from blogging the Boys. And with me, as always, the two best writers from espionation.com, Ricky, James, they can all kick rocks because Mark Schofield and J.P. Acosta are here. Mark, you look ravishing this morning.
0: That's a surprise given the fact that I had to sit through a Charger. Actually, no, wait. it was a Dodgers-Red Sox game that ended 6-0. I mean, that's what we saw. Mookie Betts coming back to Fenway, hit a grand slam, had a two-run double in the eighth to put it away. What am I doing? This team is just unwatchable right now. Unwatchable.
2: Yeah, it's too bad that we can't uh, fast forward to the Patriots game when we get to that point. But now. I, in, uh, in JP, my,
0: from where I sit, we've done it. We've done that game. It's over. It's over. It's done. We can move on.
2: Oh, we haven't done it yet. Uh, don't worry, Mark. We'll uh we'll, you know, the the body is is not cold yet. You know what I mean? We'll still get there and, and offer a, a thorough uh sort of autopsy um in just a bit. Uh, JP, your favorite team plays tonight. Uh primetime. Everyone is gonna have their eyes on Duval County. I believe this is the first game in Duval County that is prime time this year. Is that correct? This is the first
3: Monday night football game in Jacksonville since I believe two thousand. Wow,
2: the MJD oh, rookie year. It's, wow. it's been
3: a long time since Monday Night Football has been in Jacksonville. This is the biggest game of the year. This is the biggest stretch of the year. They they beat the Bengals. JP, they are the, the one seed the let's, in the A. Slow down. This is listen, listen, listen. This team has performance anxiety at home. This is a primetime time game against a team you should beat. Do not mess around. And the Jaguars. Mess around um, a lot, it's threw around, and then you find out, and the next thing you know, Jake Browning is thrown for three hundred yards on national television, and I'm sitting here on Twitter or uh, a couple of years ago.
0: It was I think Bengals Steelers on Monday night, and Ryan Finley was in the starting lineup for the Bengals, and he won.
2: Yeah, I'm not saying I'm just saying. Look, don't bring don't bring I mean, that. Look, bad
0: look.
2: Do not bring the badges you from a factual standpoint, the Jaguars according to our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook are 10 point favorites. So JP, you can you can walk off the plank with this biggest game of the year statement here. I mean, you're double digit point favorites. I mean, this this is because if they win, they are going the I'm not one denying the significance the of it, but like this this is hardly a, a a fight that's going to go 10 rounds. That's all we're saying, you know.
3: But this is a very important game in Jacksonville. Like it's not necessarily like the game itself. It's what it means. Like you win this game. You're the one seed. This is the most important stretch of the season. If you can go undefeated against the rest of the AFC North, which is starting Joe Flacco at quarterback next week, you can you can be the number one seed in the AFC for the first time since 1999. I was born in 2000. I've never seen a Jaguars team as the one seed in the playoff. This is
2: huge. All right, well. JP, now that you have properly offended us with your take and with your, you know, reminder about your age, it's time to get to the point of this entire show. And that's to recap all of the Sunday action of week 13, which doesn't include, obviously, Monday night football. Uh, We had six teams on by. We also had a Thursday night football game where the Cowboys flew a little bit too close to the sun uh, in terms of my particular preference, but ultimately wound up on top. And that's what matters the most. But we're not here to talk about them. Uh, We're here to talk about everything that happened on Sunday. Uh, Speaking of the Cowboys, I don't know that we can start anywhere else, Mark, except for san francisco i mean cowboys eagles who cares because the 49ers run the nfc like they have made that very very well known with a 42 19 humiliation of the eagles um your thoughts on the game and does it does it justify their talk about what could would maybe hypothetically would have happened in the title game had brock Purdy not got
0: him? i mean i don't know it justifies that i i think a lot of what we saw yesterday you know i i think the niners are a different team a little bit particularly up front on defense, I do think the Chase Young acquisition for them has been huge. I mean, when you have a player like that and you can almost use him as like a rotational pass rusher, that's incredible for a defense. But this was a statement win. I mean, look, the 49ers look terrifying right now. I I think that's a game where if you're Dallas, if you're Detroit, if you're Philadelphia, if you're one of these other teams – if you're the Atlanta Falcons who are currently the number four seed, I mean, you're looking at this game, you're looking at what San Francisco did weeks ago against Dallas, and you're thinking, man, we get matched up against this team, whether it's at home or on the road, our work's cut out for us. Like, I don't think it's panic time in Philly. I saw that fire Brian Johnson is trending. I don't know if that was ton in cheek. A lot of the tweets about it seem to be more ton in cheek than anything else. But this was a statement win from the San Francisco 49ers. I don't think Brock Purdy had an attempt over 15 air yards. But the throws that he had made extremely well. And I know there's going to be a lot of talk about Purdy potentially getting himself into the MVP conversation. But this was a statement when they're a terrifying team. Those three losses in the middle of the season seem light years away right now. And the rest of the NFC NFC is on notice.
2: Just quickly, JP, uh, Brock Purdy, according to our friends at DraftKings, is the favorite to an MVP as of Monday morning.
3: We're going to do this with Brock Purdy for the entire year. And I have already made my stance known on Brock Purdy, which is he has elevated the offense in ways that Jimmy G could not because Brock Purdy is much more willing to play off script than Jimmy G was. He's more willing to do the stupid stuff than Jimmy G was like Jimmy G did stupid stuff, but that was more just because he's Jimmy G Brock Purdy did stupid stuff and like hopes of extending a play he did the out-of-pocket creation but what this game was more about was kyle shanahan figuring out the eagles biggest weakness at linebacker and just hammering that over and over and over they would continue to do that little motion i don't know what you call yeah. it but debo or christian McCaffrey runs behind the quarterback and to kind of fake it to him and basically run play action off of that they they destroyed Eagles linebackers. That was the entire game. They went after the Eagles middle of defense. They stopped running at the edges where they were setting hard edges. The Eagles setting hard edges the entire game. So they just ran up the middle at the linebackers. The Niners had a 46% success rate on all runs. Like that's, if you can, if you have a successful first round rate of almost 50% on all your runs in the game, you're probably going to win that game. So I th- I see it less as like, oh, Brock Purdy really played his butt off because it's, I mean, like Mark said, like his average depth of target was five yards. Like he, he was kind of point and shoot, but when they did ask him to make the throws, like the third down throw to Ayuk before the first big Debo touchdown, it was a good throw. So I think this was more about Kyle Shanahan, like being the best offensive designer and play caller in the NFL and the Eagles having a major, major, major problem on defense.
2: Um, well, on the subject of the Eagles defense, Shaq Leonard expected to make his decision between the Eagles and the Cowboys on Monday. Um, that hasn't happened at the time of this recording. Not that that solves anything, JP, but I mean, it is, you know, it is still a pending issue or a pending situation. So um, I have to imagine every Eagles fan is hoping he picks them. Um, eh, put
3: a Band-Aid over a cannon wound, like it'll help um, it a little bit.
2: This was... So much fun to watch, obviously, from a cowboys perspective, but also super terrifying to watch to your point, Mark. Like, cool, great, like the Eagles lost. But I mean, I know that the 49ers will ruin your life. I mean, that's been the Cowboys' life the last two years. Um, and it is super terrifying that they have refound their form. Obviously, I agree with both of you on the Brock Purdy thing. He's an incredible point guard from a distribution standpoint, but like he's not, you know, he's not the the straw stirring this drink. And I don't know why we can't just all acknowledge that. Um, you know, without giving him the MVP award. But I mean, there are some things he does that I I would not be the most annoyed possible if Brock Purdy won MVP, I guess, relative to other potential outcomes. Although I don't know how you're not talking more about not UJP but about Tyreek Hill, uh, especially what he did after what he did on Sunday. We'll get there. Um, the Niners are insane. Um, is there any chance that Seattle stands against them, Mark, this week in Santa Clara?
0: Oh, I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> that's that's a tough ask for Seattle. I mean, the one thing from Philadelphia. This was what, third game in 12 days. Like th- this was a tough little stretch just schedule-wise for them when you had Eagles, Bills, Niners. Like that's and, a the, tough and they caught game. the
2: Niners coming off that Seattle, that first Seattle game which was on Thanksgiving right? Night, and now they'll now they'll catch the Cowboys coming off of a normal Thursday night game yeah. as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, so it's it's a tough schedule for for Philadelphia. Yeah, for Seattle though. I mean, look, as you mentioned at the outset though, they threw a bit of a scare into Dallas that offense can make some plays, but we saw this matchup just a couple of days ago, basically, and San Francisco handled business. So I don't know if Seattle's really going to shot, you know, going into this week. Mm. So quick thing, i was say quick thing on the Eagles. I think
3: last week I wrote about why like the Eagles are winning close games. It doesn't matter because they're just a good team. I did write in that story a little bit of, a problem that I found with the Eagles offense. It is very much screens, slants, and deep passes. Like, there is no in-between game. They haven't been able to find that. Shane Sykin was able to get Jalen Hurts to that point. Brian Johnson has not been able to do that for most of the season. Of course, Dallas Goddard being out kind of affects that. But against the 49ers team that basically you're going in with less than 100% Jalen Hurts and you didn't have that QB run game. Pretty much at all. I'm looking at Ben Baldwin's side from the Athletic. It looks like Jalen Hurts had three running plays. Like, if you don't have that uh, added threat to the Eagles' offense, in addition to not having that kind of in-between game, it makes it really hard to win. You could tell in that game, Jalen Hurts was just drifting back and back and back in the pocket because there was nothing open. Because there is no, there's no mid-range to this game. To this offense right now. It is very much a Houston Rockets, James Harden era where it's all layups and three pointers. But you need to be able to find that, especially if you cannot run the ball with Hertz being. To your point, JP even
2: had the little slip up on third down when he was drifting back forever and ever and ever and ever. Just, it just, you know and they talked about in the broadcast how how he's not afraid to hold on to the ball sometimes holding on to the ball can lead to terrible and weird and wonky things i guess we would not be a proper uh you know football podcast if we didn't talk about the um security officer dom mark um so like this was objectively funny like I I don't know that you know anybody who didn't have skin in the game I think chuckled and thought it was hilarious but it was also kind of infuriating I mean like what is Dom doing on the side I know I'm not asking questions that none of us haven't seen all over social media at this point but why is Dom allowed to be there why can't anybody just hire their own version of Dom to instigate and incite players in situations like
0: I think my favorite part of this entire sequence was the fact that like I don't know maybe a quarter before it happened Greg Olson was talking about how, look, we went to this great dinner the other night. This guy, Dom, who's been with the Eagles forever. He's the guy that hooked us up. And then he's down there on the sideline looking like one of Tony Sopranos' boys, like throwing hands, basically. Like, it was just an incredible sequence that was set up by the fact that he picked the dinner spot for the Fox crew.
3: They got the damn Sopranos down there on the Eagles' sideline. I just I knew, like, the, Nick Sirianni got hired – And then like immediately, of course, Dom was there before, but he hired 35,000 of the most big aggressive Italian men in the city of Philadelphia to be his like little, to be like his little uh, entourage on the sideline. And I just think that's great. People have already started to make shirts of Dom. They're already like, I've already said he's never having to pay for a beer or
0: a cold cut in the city of Philadelphia
3: ever again. I think the other thing that
0: I loved was there were takes last night of this morning Maybe ton of cheek, I don't know, but people ripping hurts for not standing up and doing it for Dom, and I'm just like, this is fantastic, this is great. Yeah, do it for Dom. To the um, do it for Dom. to the
2: folklore, um, like of it all. Had the Eagles won, the Dom stuff would be everywhere. Oh, like, everywhere. It, it's you know what I mean, like oh. yeah, it's it's still, still a little loud. But despite he them would... getting like you know destroyed, but like had they won, it would have been something uh, ridiculous. You mentioned uh, or you used the word entourage. There was a character in entourage named Dom. Uh, so um, this was just. And as, as somebody who obviously is rooting against the Eagles, I was so worried that this felt, Mark, like like the weird thing that goes Philly's way. Like it, it just you could kind of smell it yeah. and, and feel it. And it, I was pre annoyed. I was like, oh, and of course, like the most physical player on the 49ers is who catches the stray. I mean, maybe it's not a stray, but from all of this, like but thankfully, Mark, um, Kyle Shanahan stood tall. Although Kyle Shanahan was pretty reasonable about this at the end. He was just bothered, but, you know, not passionate
0: yeah i mean look it, it did feel that way though rj like right in the moment you felt, like, oh but this is going to be they were even saying on the broadcast too they were like this is going to be the spark this is going to be the spark you know philly seemed like they were sleepwalking this is going to be the thing that like sort of lit it up it's been a
3: weird year for italians in the nfc east you got tommy devito kind of like leading the giants to caleb williams or drake may possibly and then you got big dom kind of setting setting off fireworks Drake, Drake relaunched it at Dom in the parking lot. Me, and in Temecula. Dude, let's, um, let's keep this thing popping.
2: Yeah. Uh, the, um, I actually saw that it was yesterday, the day that all, this entire sequence happened. Um, this will go over your head, JP. Uh, but it was 14 years ago on, on Sunday that Jersey Shore initially premiered. Uh, so just kind of a, a full, you know, um, like universal alignment of, um, you know, Italians in the, uh, the, you know, Jersey-ish kind of area uh, of the country. Um, okay, uh, we don't normally go to Sunday Night Football this early, but Mark, I think we have to, uh, because Jordan Love stood tall. And I think there is now, if there wasn't before, legitimate concern about the Chiefs uh, and their pass catcher situation. This was a interesting, but kind of gross, but sort of grossly beautiful game. Uh, also, always nice to see Lambeau Field um, in the cold at night. Mark, your takeaways from Sunday Night
0: Football. Have the Packers done it again? I mean, is that the main takeaway here? Because I, I feel like that's the sentiment sort of brewing right now. You go from Favre to Rodgers, and now all of a sudden Jordan Love. Seems like he might have a little something here. He played extremely well in this game. I love some of the throws he made, some of the layered throws he made that went to Wick sort of earlier in the game with the crosser working right to left. That young receiver receiving core sort of figured it out, and it certainly was an incredible contrast between that group and what we're seeing in Kansas City, to your point. I saw Mitchell Schwartz just, you know, in the past like 40 minutes or so, put together this long thread on X was basically like, we all have to calm down. Like the defense is better in Kansas city. Like, yeah, the pass catchers, they, they're not winning on the outside, but we still have Patrick Mahomes, and he's right. Look, this is still a team that's right in the mix of the playoff on, but it just feels like it's off in Kansas city. And yes, their defense has improved, but it feels like the offense has taken such a step back that it hasn't quite sort of, evened out for them to the point where they could win games like this it feels
3: like like yeah you can say they have Patrick Mahomes and that's fine but the margins in the AFC are a lot thinner than they were in previous years like now because you lost you are the four seed right now you would have to go on the road and that's something that Patrick Mahomes just hasn't done with as as impressive as Patrick Mahomes has been they haven't had to go on the road in the divisional round yet. They haven't had to play a road game. So that's something, you know, like it's something worth noting. But I think the priority or the main thing we should be talking about with this game is Jordan. Like Mark said, the Packers might have done it again. Maybe Brian Gunkus was right. Like Jordan Love looks good. And it's not just like, oh, he's put together like one good game or two good games against the Lions. Like since week nine, he's put together some really impressive stretches of play. He. At the beginning of the season, there were some inefficiencies, some inaccuracies, but you saw the aggressiveness throwing the ball downfield. He is very much a trick shot artist. He's going to try and throw the the toughest throws on the field. But now you're starting to see the inefficiencies go away. The young receivers are starting to grow up a little bit. Like this is – they're playing with house money at this point. So, you know, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see where this Packers team goes because right now you're right on the fringe. Of the playoff hunt, you know you can still make that make that playoff run if you want it to but this team this team is going to be fun for the next few years and i know bears fans have got to be sick because they got a quarterback again before y'all got a quarterback
2: ever yeah i saw a post on the Bears subreddit that was like they're having the year we thought we would like the kind of cute little contender, maybe fringe playoff team. To your point, like um, it's it just again, it's it's funny. I mean, if you're not involved, obviously, but uh, they are the seven seed currently uh, in the NFC playoff picture, and the Packers have a very friendly down the stretch schedule. So um, all logic and reason suggests that they will be a playoff team, obviously, uh, in about a month and a half. Um, I do think again, I mentioned the sort of universal alignment that happened uh with the Jersey Shore thing. That kind of happened in this game. Obviously, Jordan Love made his first start uh against the Chiefs um, you know, three years ago. Do either of you remember why?
3: Uh
2: Aaron Rodgers got COVID, didn't he? That was the Aaron Rodgers COVID game, right? And the uh, like that that was the like I won't say the beginning of the end for Aaron Rodgers, but that was, that was the true inflection point for a lot of people's public opinion on Aaron Rodgers, obviously. Um, and Sunday was kind of a rough day for Aaron Rodgers. Um, nobody's happy that Aaron Rodgers got hurt, but, uh, there were all the reports, uh, I think Ian Rappaport, um, called it unprecedented. It was described uh, Rodgers, as a triumphant um, week. For Aaron yeah, uh, exactly. Um, the TLDR on that is Aaron Rodgers will seemingly wear a uniform for the jets, but only to just stand there. Uh, that was kind of basically what all the insider said. Um, and again, that's a heroic kind of journey that Aaron has been on. Um, again, it really ever since the game that Jordan Love had to start for him against the Chiefs of all teams. So it's kind of funny to me that that happened um, the Aaron Rodgers thing that morning, and everybody saw right through it. Like, n- like nobody, if you check all the replies, nobody was like, oh, what a badass. Like everybody's like, this is all he wanted was just to be in the news and have all the attention. And that later that night in primetime at Lambeau Field, Jordan Love relit the flame of Packers fans with his best yeah, moment it's ever. It's very cool. Professional. Uh, like, that's pretty cool, look, Mark.
0: Love faced a lot of questions. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I do a show, a uh, radio spot, every Wednesday in Green Bay. And a couple of weeks ago, the question was, are they going to be drafted a quarterback? Like like that was where the discussion was with Jordan Love. And now it's, are they? is this kid bringing them to the playoffs? And is he next? Is he the third in the heir apparent to the Packers quarterback sort of situation here? And what we saw Sunday night makes it look like he absolutely is. It's an incredible sort of turnaround. And of course, there was the juxtaposition, juxtaposition of when he made his first start and where his mom had to sit. In the absolute upper rim of Arrowhead, and now she's in the suite at Lambeau. Like that's a nice, nice little sort of like juxtaposition as well.
2: We got a little JP.
3: We got a little bit of a logjam for Coach of the Year. You got Demiko Ryan, Shane Steichen. Uh, If again, I would add Matt Lafleur to that conversation, especially getting that team from where they were to possibly being in the playoffs. They they're the youngest team in the NFL. And I think that, um, that is worth mentioning in terms of like a feather in Matt LaFleur's cap because he has schemed the heck out of this offense. It is beautiful to watch right now.
2: I'm fine with that. I do think that most people think the sexy pick is D'Amico Ryan's, although Dan Campbell obviously has a lot of fans in that race. Shane Steich is a pick for me. <laughs> like the Colts were a mess. I mean, and they lost Anthony Richardson. Like, I feel like he's made more lemonade with the lemons he had uh, in particular. Um, on the subject of food though, JP. Um, I'm not suggesting that we put the chiefs in the crock pot, but I do think that the chiefs are in a crock pot relative to who they are. So like, it's a, it's a, it's a vastly superior crock pot compared to the rest of the NFL. But like, this is like, um, I don't mean to keep bagging on the Eagles, but like everybody was saying like all season long before Sunday, right? Like, Oh, maybe the Eagles are going to catch on. Maybe they're going to catch on. It's like, well, maybe this is just who they are. Like, Maybe the Chiefs aren't gonna figure this out on offense like before the end of the season. Maybe this is just who they are. This but like their offense is stuck right now, JP. And it might not get out of this threat. So again, maybe they're in like a it's like a diamond layered crock pot, is, is kind of my Can point. That's probably
0: the, the better move.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe like a smoker, like yeah, like a like a pellet grill. Like I'm totally with you. Like something along those lines. It's a more luxurious place to be, but they're on a slow cook is kind yeah, of yeah, they're
3: point. on a slow cook, but. In the end, yeah. it still might taste pretty great. Like it's, it still might be pretty good, but I'm not, I'm, no, I'm not, not, I'm not the that. In the
2: playoffs, but th- this is a very different type of struggle for them that we've seen in the Patrick Mahomes. It's era. a
3: very different receiver group. And I think the biggest thing that I've been kind of preaching for Chiefs fans and for the Chiefs in general is just patience with this receiver group. Like they're, they're still trying to figure out who they have and what they can do to kind of operate in the in between game. They have, Two guys who run well who run fast this way in Marquez Valdez Gantling and Justin Watson. And then three guys who run fast on screenplays and jet sweeps in Miko Hardman, Sky Moore, and Kadarius Toney. They have a lot of redundant skill sets there. They need to start using Rasheed Rice on downfield targets. You cannot continue to lump Rasheed Rice into the screen yak like jet sweep. Area because you have three guys like that already, they just need more variety with that skill position group, and I think it's becoming a bit more of a problem because Travis Kelsey's getting older. It's not that Travis Kelsey's worse. it's just he's he's an older player now. He doesn't win with speed or burst like he used to. It's more savvy and like using the small, finer portions of route running. You can't really, you need you need he needs help. It is very much like a um like you know how they do in the NBA. Like, how much help does this person need, or how much help does yada yada need? How much help does Travis Kelsey need? Like he needs a little bit of help at this point. Like he, you need somebody to be that in-between game guy. And that's what Rasheed Rice can do if you let him run routes downfield.
2: Mark, let's move to the aforementioned D'Amico Ryans, who probably made his biggest coach of the year case on Sunday, because it wasn't CJ Stroud lighting it up for the Texans, but they managed to pull it away from the Broncos, a significant win for the Texans and a significant loss for the Broncos relative to the AFC playoff picture 22 to 17. The final score, of this game ended with a Jimmy Ward interception of Russell Wilson in the end zone. Russ, um, kind of quietly, you know, hushing all of the memes and jokes that we've all had a lot of fun yeah i mean i think now.
0: two big takeaways for this from houston's perspective one will anderson jr is legit like we were talking about it yesterday during that game it seems like he is consistently making plays and what i really loved about it was there were a lot of times where he was just putting one-on-ones and that was like one of the simmering questions about him was okay what's it going to look like when he doesn't have nick Saban sort of scheming up you know blitz games and pressure schemes and stuff like that for him up front and he just has to win one-on-one what's his toolkit as a pass rusher looked like well it looks like a pretty good bull rush to me when he's like you know forklifting people right it's russell wilson's lap so that is a huge part of it the tank dell injury though like like where did they go offensively from there like i think i, I saw that like john mechie had like 12 routes in this game like do they lean into more 12 personnel like where are they going to make up the difference between because the chemistry that dell and Stroud had has been such a big start to their season. Has been such an explosive element in their offense, and they still look—they still have playmakers. I mean, they busted out the Bijan Cam just now for the Stroud and Nico Collins play, and if we haven't written about it yet, that's the first thing I'm writing when we get down here. But where do they go offensively for you know consistent explosive playmaking with Dell sidelined for the rest of the season?
3: I think this game was very much more of a proof concept game. For the Texans and not a proof of concept of what they're doing schematically, but a proof of concept for how they've built this team. Like you said, Will Anderson Jr. had two sacks. A lot, there's been a lot of hand-wringing about him getting sacks with not noticing that he is top 10 in the league overall in pressures. And then Derek Stingley Jr. with two interceptions. I believe he has three interceptions over three games, four interceptions over three games. He has been extremely productive now that he's healthy. Jimmy Ward making big plays. CJ Stroud, once again, being very good. This is the proof of concept for this Texans team. This is the, oh, we have franchise cornerstones. We're building something really special here type of game. Will Anderson Jr. was unblockable today. I think a lot of the pre-draft stuff about, oh, he played 4 I. He doesn't really have a bag as a pass rusher. I see that a lot. It's like when NBA like fans say this player has no bag, even though they score 30 points a game, Like Okay, and <laughs> like cool doesn't have a bag, but still scoring thirty points. Will Anderson Jr. does not have a highly developed pass rush like tool set yet, but he also is getting multiple sacks and pressures a game. You can win with that. John Grenard playing fantastic football now that he's got another pass rusher next to him. This team, this team's going to be good for years to come. I'm very sad about the Tank Dell injury, but this seems going to be good for a long time. Denver, you know, like. Russ screwed it up. Like this was a Russ screw up game. He threw he threw three interceptions. I think he had some good moments. I think the biggest thing that we're losing with Russ is Sean Payton has helped Russ so much in just being like, okay, we need you to make a couple throws a game. The Cortland Sutton touchdown, beautiful. That was one of those throws. Getting them set up, like on third downs, like that is. That is what they need. They need him to be Russell Wilson on third downs and in the red zone. He was not good today in those areas. Like that's just, this was a Russ grew up game. And now you kind of put yourself behind the eight ball when it comes to the playoff picture. So it's going to be uphill for them for them, but you know, this is the Texans are really good and they're going to be good
2: for the next few years. They are fun. Um, and it feels like they could steal a playoff win or something kind of, you know, be be road underdogs this year and maybe pull it off. But um, they do have a, a lower ceiling, obviously relative to the AFC's elite at this point in time, but, um, they're certainly experiencing, I think, significant returns on investment on all of their kind of future cornerstone players. We didn't even mention Derek Stingley Jr. Nice having two interceptions. Like, it's just cool. It's cool to see like all these things working out for Houston, a team that was really lost in the wilderness. Um, there's no question that they have emerged far victorious on the other side of the Deshaun Watson situation and trade. Um, so again, I think it's just really cool vibes to see them doing well, the, the, the Broncos thing is so strange. Like, I'm still not accustomed to seeing Sean... You mentioned Sean Payton. Like, him and Russell Wilson together in Denver. Uh, it feels a lot like the, um, the Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers meme to me. Um, like, it, it's just... It's awkward and it's strange, but before it was clunky and we could laugh at it, Mark. Now they, they're somewhat respectable, and so I don't know how to feel about it. That's why like I'm kind of impressed, but I don't know if I should be impressed. Um, now their, their playoff odds dip significantly, so maybe I don't have to worry about it. Um, I, I have just questions about like the, the Houston future feels so incredibly high, but like I don't know what the short or long-term future of the Broncos is.
0: Yeah, it's a strange situation. I mean, they're pretty much tied to Russell because of that contract for at least a little longer. So this is what we're going to have to get familiar with. I mean, it's still strange now. I agree with you. It's not as strange as seeing Joe Flacco in a Browns uniform, but it's still odd. Uh, But they're going to have to sort of make it work. Now, I, I think the bigger story for them has been their turnaround on the defensive side of the ball. And they said it early in the broadcast. They were like, look, you know, yeah. The defense is getting better, but they're still going to have that 70 burger that Miami hunt on them to like on their resume for the rest of the season. But the defense has gotten better. I mean, I think this is look, this is an organization that won a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning at the end of his career when he was dealing with a neck nerve injury. and couldn't really throw the ball and they relied on their defense. Is there a similar path for them down the road as we get, you know, as Russell Wilson continues his career and as that sort starts, starts of sort of wind down? Maybe, but they're going to need to imp- continue to improve on the defensive side of the ball if they're going to be able to pull that off.
2: Um, JP, Mark mentioned Joe Flacco on the Browns uniform, so I guess we have to go there next. Uh, the Rams, um, you know, put it away a, a little bit at the end. Uh, the box score, I don't think, is as reflective of the game that this was truly that this truly was 36 to 19 the final score Joe Flacco kind of cooked I mean like Joe Flacco could have totally helped the New York Jets this season like it was kind of weird and kind of awesome to see Joe Flacco play moderately well for Cleveland this was such a weird game (laughs) I think mainly because
3: like it was the Rams who might not be good but also might be in the playoffs the Browns who also might not be good but might be in the playoffs they also had this was the one piece game based on the anime One Piece. So it was really cool. They handed out these really cool, like, towels with, like, One Piece. And it had the, uh, the logo from One Piece. It had the Rams helmet on it, which I thought was really dope. And so I was just basically making One Piece references the entire game. Cooper to Cool rocks. Like, yeah. that dude's awesome. He came back from injury, caught four passes, 139 yards, and a touchdown. Like, he, he is the perfect Sean McVay compliment to Cooper Cup. And could potentially be like if Cooper Cup decides like in in the future he could be that next Cooper Cup, you know they do so they do somewhat similar things and I just am so impressed with how this Rams offense has kind of morphed itself and built itself out of what we think normally associate with a Sean McVay like outside zone boot action team they're more like duo they're running. At you, they're doing a lot more from the pocket. Matt Stafford is still—he still has a few throws a game where it's like, oh, he's still got the arm on him. They're they're really they're a really well built offense with players who can impact games. So I don't know how far that takes you in the playoffs, but it'll it'll work for the Rams. It has worked for the Rams, you know. So I'm I'm just I'm just really impressed with how the Rams have kind of built this offense out of you know what we thought was cooper cup matt stafford and a bunch of yeah Puka's
0: is a lot of fun and the thing that's critical from him in this offense to to jp's point is what he does as a blocker too like, like you watch them at the end of the game situation where they're just trying to run clock and run williams you know they're using puka in the way end on those insert blocks where you're coming under the tight end and working up to the second level to take on a linebacker and he's handling that. And, oh, he's also giving you, like, 69-yard, like, catch-and-run touchdowns. Stafford is still cooking. I mean, the, the long catch-and-run touchdown of Puka, look, they tried to disguise that. They were showing man. They were showing zero. They run invert two. Stafford reads it. Perfect read, perfect throw, great ball. Had a number of good throws in that game. And, look, I, I know that, you know, playoff pitchers and stuff are what they are, given where we are in the season. But right now, Rams are on the cusp. You know, before that late night game, they were in the seventh slot, which would have given them San Francisco in week one. And I mean, in the wildcard weekend. And, you know, that's a matchup that's got some history that's kind of on the Rams side. I mean, I don't want to say that, look, you know, this version of the Rams could easily beat the Niners, but that would be an intriguing wildcard matchup to me.
2: We, um. We could have, I think, two uh, potential division rivalries, in, you know, ironically, in wildcard weekend, um, because Seattle's right there as well. If San Francisco does stay put at the two seed, uh, it looks like Detroit will be the three seed, and if Minnesota hangs on for the six seed. We could get the NFC North and NFC West matchups. Um, it's interesting you mentioned Cooper Cup, JP. Um, Turf Show Times, our Rams blog, had an article on Monday morning talking about uh, how it might be time for the Cooper Cup era. Uh, in LA to be over. If they moved on, like how fast is Kansas city like running to sign Cooper cup in free agency?
3: Instantly. Yeah. (laughs) So they won't won't even get the thank you Cooper cup message out on social media before he's in chiefs red.
2: Um, Yeah, um, very. um, It's Cooper Cup or Mike Evans that are going to be on the Chiefs next year. Like that is a certainty at this point. Um, Maybe both to your kind of oh God point. Um, Kyron Williams is also awesome. Like I'm very intrigued about the future of the Rams and who's playing quarterback for them. And if Sean McVay's still hanging around, obviously we all know the rumors. But the Cleveland side of things, like the Joe Flacco stuff was fun. I don't know. Like it would not shock me if they fall all the way out of the playoff race. Mark, um, I tweeted these out or tweeted out odds for respective awards on Monday morning. And Micah Parsons on Friday last week overtook Miles Garrett uh, in the defensive player of the year race. As of Monday morning, though, he has a significant gap uh, between him and, and Garrett. Micah is at plus 125 and Garrett is at plus 225. We can all sit here and bemoan like the process of awards in the NFL, but the reality is to win something like defensive player of the year, you got to be on a winning team. And to me, Mark, that suggests that oddsmakers believe Cleveland is fading fast.
0: Yeah, it, it seems that way. And I mean... Look, the case for Garrett, and we made it, was like, look, they're going to keep winning games 13-10, 13-7 on the backs of their defense. Rams just hung 36 on you. Like, that that kind of weakens the case a little bit. And he's still, look, one of the most impactful defensive players. But, you know, when you can have this kind of production against a Cleveland defense that was supposed to be the thing that was going to carry you into the playoffs and bolster your candidacy, those odds are certainly going to take a hit. Mm.
3: You're starting to see the attrition as well on yeah, the right. offense.
0: Miles Garrett has been dealing with a shoulder injury. Denzel Ward
3: did not play. It just really sucks because Kevin Stefanski has done literally all he can do with that offense in terms of scheming people open, scheming things up. But you're only as good as what you put on the field, like who you have on the field, and. They got Joe Flacco playing quarterback in 2023. Like, it it was cool, like, the first 10 minutes. Yeah. But then you realized, like, oh, this is Joe Flacco we're talking about. Like, in 2023, he hasn't been playing for a minute. It's tough because you really hope, like, Kevin Stefanski can, like, do something good with this roster because he, the scheme is really good. But they just don't have the players.
2: Um. So... I feel like most NFL shows kind of go through the games like best to worst, like in terms of like vibes. Um, we got to save some of these good ones for the end because um, if not, we'll just be like complaining. So you got to get through some rough ones. Although remember, um, you do each have a, a fast forward option should uh, you choose to use it. Uh, Mark, the Atlanta Falcons. Beat I'm New using York. my fast forward. <laughs> okay. Uh, nope. 13 to eight was the final score, just so we're clear. Uh, the, the, the fact that there was serious doubt um, or legitimate doubt about whether or not Atlanta would win this game makes me very excited about the Cowboys potentially drawing them in the wild card. Uh, but I digress. Okay, Mark, you have your fast forward. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, survived at home against the Carolina Panthers 21 to 18. Okay. Yeah, get rid um, of this one. Yeah, um, there was no. Uh,
3: oh, we fast forward like three? We fast forwarded like three
0: fourths of the interview. Just all the NFC. There was South no um,
2: like post head coach firing bump um, in this game. Although no. we talked about this no. on Friday. Generally, like the Josh McDaniels example is a great one. Like generally, the bump comes because like everybody hated the head coach. Um, I don't know that everybody like hated Frank Reich. Like he seems like you know a nice person. It's just a really untenable situation. Uh, Mark, we cannot fast forward to this one. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers won. Six to nothing in Foxborough.
0: Your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> this morning, two of my favorite friends of this business, Mr. J.P. Acosta and Mr. Trevor Sykema. Okay, both I thought it was, was going to be like a Monday draft. Football
2: Monday set with me. Okay, cool. No, Not no, no, for Trevor, no. though. They, Trevor's they, great.
0: I'm a big fan of Trevor. They um. both dropped mock drafts, and in both, they gave Drake May to the New England Patriots. And I am very much looking forward to that day. because. Having to watch this Bailey Zappi led offense like missing, th- I know the conditions were miserable, and that's fine. But you're missing throws, you're slow on reads, you can't get anything done. And every time the defense comes up and gets a stop, you think, well, maybe this will be the drive that they sort of figure it out, and it doesn't happen. Like I just, I, I just can't do it anymore. I just can't watch it anymore. And like from the chargers perspective like this was a game and i'm not even i'm just gonna tjp up for this because he said it yesterday and it's the perfect line and i'm gonna let him land the plane here because this is the best way to describe what we saw yesterday the chargers tried the charger
3: but the patriots charged harder like that's the ultimate like gist of this game like i what what do the chargers do like what what is the What are you getting excited for with the Chargers? The defense played great, of course. You hold a team to zero points, you know, like you should feel good about that. Khalil Mack has looked amazing, but the offense has kind of fallen off a cliff. And it's really, really, really bad when, you know, like we keep doing this with the Chargers and every time we just fall for
0: the play action. We fall for the Chargers play action. I'm not doing it next I year. I can't do like, it anymore. Like we get to the summer we're talking about teams. And if I bring up the Chargers in any way positive, somebody just fast forward me. Um,
2: so I think the Chargers are the bigger story here, Mark. All due respect. I mean, like yeah, like, yeah. like we didn't like nothing new changed. Like the status quo remained with the Patriots. Like they're really bad. They didn't, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, this was a like the bigger indictment I think was on the Chargers NT. point. Um, I don't know if either of you saw this uh, during the noon games. Mitchell Schwartz tweeted this out. Uh, I, I love the tweet, which I want to read it verbatim. He said, We're going to have some crazy revisionist history lookbacks on Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy after the season. Obviously, you both know why I love this. Um, it should be happening already, but man, what an unbelievable turn of events. Moore the pumpkin and McCarthy the hero is not what anyone expected. Now, I'm not um steering us in this direction uh for either of you to like advocate for Mike McCarthy as a hero, but if you want to, I'm totally here for that. Uh JP, you have your hand raised, which is really polite. Um, I I don't want to sit here and pretend like I thought Kellen Moore stunk. Like, that was not how I felt. I was moderately upset that the Cowboys moved on from him. I felt like they just needed a change of scenery. And so, and obviously that decision has aged very well. But like, holy crap, JP, like, this is, like, you know, this is more than bad. Like, this is is dysfunctional at this
3: point. I said before the season, what is Kellen Moore actually bringing to the Chargers offense? It's a lot of six-yard stop routes, which looks a lot like what was going on in Dallas i mean the um, one game has looked more efficient early but they can't run the ball now austin eckler has not been great recently
2: horrible I mean, contract year for austin eckler yeah really hor- like horrible for and i don't mean this in like a, a mean-spirited way but like austin eckler respectably uh, is somebody who's like running backs do matter like pay our position like he has you know tried to lead the position which again i really respect and admire but like really horrible um production, you know, to match up with that mantra. It's just an unfortunate series of events. Yeah,
3: and it's just really bad right now for the Chargers that <laughs> we're gonna keep doing this with Quentin Johnston. And he had five catches for 57 yards, which is good, but the drop, man, like that that's really rough. And we're gonna keep no. doing this. We're gonna do this all the time because they drafted him one spot before Zay Flower, then two spots before Jordan Addison. It's
2: yeah. Like he's, y- he's the new like, Jalen Rager in a class with, you know, Justin Jefferson, Justin J e. Lamb, yeah. right? Like it's just tough scene.
3: It's really tough because, you know, this was supposed to be like the year for the Chargers to make that run to finally, like, you know, kind of challenge the Chiefs. A weak Chiefs team. Like we've acknowledged, like, this is a weaker Chiefs team than we've seen. And they're not even second in the division. Like, this is a this is a bottoming out of like really like really bad proportions for this
2: team that's such a great point from jp like it's been so annoying for the chargers right like that the chiefs just survive like no matter what every year like they managed to thrive and and do it again like this was the year like you had the chance like they're down on their luck like you could have won the afc west but i think like we in a very strange way maybe believe more in the unknown future of the broncos than we do the chargers right now and has nothing to do with the quarterbacks but like they're that dysfunctional
0: yeah, I mean, because you know there's going to be a coaching change. I mean, we assume that there's going to be a coaching change. So you don't know which direction they're going to go in there. Like we've thought, you know, JP's called them Littlefinger that you're going to get the Kellen Moore promotion, or, you know, maybe we get a wow. Lincoln Riley you know, move across town, something like that. But there's going to be something strange that happens there. But you've at least got Sean Payton. It looks like he's not going to go anywhere. And he's at least has that team sort of moving in the right direction. The trend line seems to be better in Denver, even with Sunday's loss. And yeah, again, to the earlier point when we start talking about the chargers this summer Rachel, please just hit the fast forward button to remind us that there's no point in doing so
2: i know that um hindsight is 2020 but jp if you're a chargers fan do you not feel like you know do you not wish and we never want people to lose their jobs but do you not wish that brandon staley had been fired after the playoff loss and that you had been the team that traded for sean payton like again i'm not saying sean payton has to be like you, you would feel amazing but i think you would definitely feel You'd be on much sturdier ground, right? You'd be earlier into the like the path forward.
3: You feel a little bit better, but I also think this Chargers team might also not be as good talent-wise mm. as we thought because they're very, they're very, they're a very top-heavy roster. Like you know, you got Justin Herbert, you got Keenan Allen, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, Derwin James; those are all stars. But there are eleven guys on the field. Like they, you need more dudes, and that defensive secondary is not good right now. Like, you know, um, they had to get rid of J.C. Jackson. Asante Samuel Jr. has kind of been in and out the lineup. They need talent. Like, they, they need a massive influx of talent in that defensive backfield.
2: Mark, the Detroit Lions flirted with disaster, um, but ultimately survived in the Superdome, a building that Dan Campbell knows very well. 33-28, the final score. A nice bounce-back game for the Lions, given the adding we last saw from them on thanksgiving day which looks a little bit less embarrassing now especially given what the packers did on sunday night football so kind of a, a solid day overall for the lions um they're keeping pace in the nfc and still have a, a low chance a chance nonetheless at the one seat
0: yeah they're keeping pace here's the thing though and we've we've touched on this in previous weeks since they gave up just six points to the buccaneers back at the in the middle of october the ravens hunt 38 on them Raiders. Okay. 14 points. Chargers put 38 on them. Bears put 26 on them. You know, Packers obviously last week with 29. And then this Saints team that had Jameis Winston come into the game, just put 28 on them. Like their defense is, has gone from, Hey, should we be putting this defense into the crock pot to, Okay. Like it, it's under the broiler now, like this defense has some problems and yes, the schedule is what it is. But you do get the Dallas Cowboys in your second-to-last game. And if you start thinking about teams that they might see in the playoffs, like, yes, as it stands right now, they might see Minnesota. But then, you know, potentially San Francisco or if they get to an NFC Championship game, teams like Dallas or Philadelphia. This defense now, the offense, it's great that they're scoring points. The creativity, it's off the charts. Jared Goff, with things are going well, is playing extremely well. This defense is worrying me.
3: <laughs> this game was transported directly out of 2015. Jimmy Graham caught a touchdown. Uh, Bruce Irvin sacked Derek Carr. Like, what is happening here? I think the biggest thing that I took away from this game for the Lions is it is, again, a proof of concept for your draft process. Jack Campbell, finally playing Mike, led the team in tackles. Brian Branch, once again, phenomenal. Jameer Gibbs, eight carries for 60 yards. This is this is why you draft all those guys. This Santa is why they, but
2: you didn't. I mean,
3: like, Florida, yeah. Nine catches, 140 yards. This is why you draft those guys early. I think we kind I think most of the NFL draft media kind of like he heed at uh the Lions drafting a running back and a linebacker in the first round. But those guys have been pretty good. Like those guys have been core pieces to a team that is right now one of the top three, four seeds in the NFC. So they're kind of – that was a proof-of-concept game um, for the Saints. When is it – I know he got hurt, but even before then, when is it time to go to Jameis? Like, when is it time to move on from Derek Carr? I think they have pushed their salary cap held to their biggest limit. They cannot go any further than this because the talent is not good anymore. Michael Thomas is going to be a free agent. He has not really – when he's in the lineup, he hasn't been impactful but that's when he's in the lap. He, he hasn't always been in the lineup. Derek Carr has not been anywhere close to what you hoped he would be when you traded for him or when you signed him to that big money contract. The left tackle problem is huge. You let Teron Armstead walk and you drafted Trevor Penning, who isn't even starting at this point. It's It's just really, really bad misses over and over. Like it's repeated misses And for a team that is consistently pushing their salary cap problems back another year, you can't afford to have those misses. Chris Olave is awesome. I just wish he had a real quarterback throwing him the ball. So that's where we're at with the Saints. Like we can say like, oh
0: yeah, they're in the NFC South. Anything can happen, but. That's, that's i'm done with that yeah i'm done with that i wrote in my notes like look it's crockpot time for them at the bare minimum i don't care that they're in the nfc south like this just is not working
2: yeah um again relative to context this is like the second crock pot. like everybody has like two crock pots and you have like the better one and it's like where like the main dish is being cooked or whatever this is like oh, okay, we need to make the queso. You know what I mean? Like, well, you know, like, let's get the, the like, more beat up crockpot. Like, the little mediums. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That's where we're putting the, the Saints right now. Like, I'm, I'm with you, Mark. Like, even at five and seven, even a game and a half back at the Falcons, like, I'm, like, no. Like, I, this is, and, like, I don't know what I identify to be as, like, my biggest annoyance with them, but, like, every, everything is so, like, like nothing nothing works. Nothing, nothing gets me excited. I mean, I think
0: from where I sit, my biggest annoyance is when we looked at this division at the start of the year, even though we all identified it that as, like, the most chaotic, it was like, well, at least they've got – perhaps the most stable quarterback situation oh. in this division. Cause you've got, you know, a rookie in Carolina, right. you've got, we don't know what in Desmond Ritter in Atlanta, you've got the much Ballyhooed Baker Mayfield versus Kyle Trask battle down in Tampa Bay. This is Derek Carr. Like he is what he is. Maybe he's not an elite quarterback, but he's at least some stability. That hasn't materialized. And that's where my frustration lies is because the crux of all the takes has just fallen to pieces in front of us. Um, that being said, they were down 21, nothing. And they only
2: lost 33-28, to 28, which, again, though, is a bigger indictment of the Lions. Like, couldn't you just see – like, we mentioned the Lions would draw the Vikings right now if the playoffs are today. Like, could, could either of you see the Lions being up, like, 17-3 to 3 and, and losing that game, JP? Maybe not the Vikings, but you get the point. Like, you get the general point of, like, the statement. It would be, it would be the most Detroit Lions
3: thing ever to get the highest seed that you have had since, like, <laughs> in a long time only to lose to one of your NFC North teams, especially if it were the Packers and Jordan Love. If they were to lose that game again in the playoffs, that is like the, they would be cursed. I, there's nothing else. And then a quick thing on like the Derek Carr stability, like if you want to measure by EPA per play, which I think has kind of a little bit of noise when it comes to individual yeah. stats, Baker Mayfield has been a better quarterback than Derek Carr. Yeah. like That's really bad. Like and
2: yeah. Um all right. Thankfully we're done talking about the Saints. Um I have a fast forward left. Um, so I think I'm gonna use it to fast forward us through the Cardinal Steelers game, if you're both okay with that. Um not even Mother Nature wanted that game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mother
0: Nature's like, look, we're gonna bring a thunderstorm and lightning to Pittsburgh in December to get rid of this game.
2: Hey Mark, but are you super pumped for Thursday Night Football with the Steelers and Patriots this week?
0: I, I posted this on threads last night. Like, the odds of me wa- playing Starfield are like off. It's like off the boards. I'm not going to be watching. Please this game. I'm a Patriots something. fan. Please find something. Seriously. Better to go read a book. Read. Go outside. Spend time with your family. Spend time go with holiday family. shopping. Read a do book. anything else than watch Bailey or Will Greer, Malik Cunningham versus Mitchell Trubisky. Like, do anything else.
2: Um, I just tweeted this out, like, right before we got to this game. Um, it's a tweet from Richard Deitch. Um, that Amazon announced last week's Thursday night game between the Cowboys and Seahawks, which was also a great game, like on top of, you know, having the Cowboys um, averaged 15.26 million viewers, the most watched game ever on prime video, which is only in its second season um, and was the most streamed NFL game in history. We are going off a cliff. Like nobody is watching this game.
3: 15.26,000.
2: Yeah. Like this, like if it's streamed on prime video, it might be like on somebody's phone at like Buffalo Wild Wings when they're hanging out with their friends on like, go, go, you know, go go associate with people. It's holiday season. You know, go have a white elephant what thing or something like that. Me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go look at the, the lights. I yeah, will exactly. say it was
3: very funny. Deontay Johnson scoring a touchdown dude. and doing his touchdown dance down 24 to
2: nothing. No, Just it, was, it, was to, it was 24 to 9 at the, at, after 26. the six points of the touchdown, to be very clear. But, like, with four and a half minutes left, it's like, dude, what are you doing?
3: It's the funniest thing ever.
2: And, and like, I respect it. Stunt, man. It'd be one thing. At moment. It'd be one thing if you're doing that in general but if you're doing it against like i don't like the niners right like okay like well you know everybody kind of expected this but like you're doing it against the cardinals you know what i mean like what's going on what here hell? like um it is a huge disconnect from reality we have uh two two games <laughs> left um i guess let's go to nashville where mark well we still have one fast
0: forward right rachel yes. has her that's right uh okay
2: rachel um surprises if you want to fast forward at any point but this game was great um in a weird beautiful chaotic way uh the colts survived i guess if you want to put it that way this was a weird line the colts were only one point favorites and everybody thought that that was like kind of free money uh but it looked tenuous for a little while mark 31 to 20 at the final score thanks to gardner Minshew hitting michael pittman jr for the game winning touchdown and my biggest take from this is that the colts all white uniforms look tremendous in daylight like if they're playing at noon in sunny you know conditions
0: they look beautiful I mean, I think the all-whites look great all the time. Like, even under the lights, I think they look great. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a big fan Not of the, the all-whites. I'm part. also a big fan of Gardner Minshew in the locker room, the, 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 like, celebration dance, which was absolutely hilarious. Like, Gardner Minshew is one of my favorite characters in all of the NFL. Like, did it back to, you know, what I talked to him at his senior bowl. He's so totally leaned into the, like, I'm the next Baker Mayfield, nobody respects me line, which is just tremendous. He's just a character. The Colts are fun. Like the Colts are legitimately fun. we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Like they're basically a run in the offense they built for Anthony Richardson, but with Gardner Minshew and it's working. And Shane Steichen has done such a tremendous job. Like think about, you know, the Taylor situation, losing Anthony Richardson. Now this team's in the playoffs right now. They also have a pretty favorable schedule too. So it looks like they could get in given what's coming ahead. Tremendous from them. I'm, you know, Derek Henry, he's, I believe, concussion protocol right now so we'll wait to see on him levis had some throws levis had a great tackle strip fumble after throwing a pick which is just tremendous too this was a fun game this is this was the game that for me like i got the two tv set up and i had i had in the opening window denver houston on the main tv and then a, a four box with this game in the bottom quarter this game immediately got promoted to i'm just putting it on the second tv like it got the promotion in the middle of that more at that early afternoon window which is a which is a
3: statement i I think the biggest thing watching that Shane Steichen offense, like you said, it is the same offense they built for Anthony Richardson, just with less like verticality and not big boom plays, but you're still getting that in spurts. You know, Michael Pittman had 116 yards on 16 targets, 11 catches, Alec Pierce adding 100 more yards. You're starting to get those guys more involved. And I just love how Shane Steichen is putting these guys in the best situations for them. You know, Michael Pittman, Pittman is much more of an in-between guy. Yeah, he is the kind of the tough physical guy over the middle. He's going to operate in the kind of 8 to 10 area range. Alec Pierce is more of the burner downfield. He is the jump ball specialist, and they use them in those ways. It's not like you're using – it's not like he's trying to fit square pegs and round holes. It's, it makes sense, and there is proof that everything makes sense. And now you're starting to get the question. I was posed this question in the group chat that I'm in. If the Colts make the playoffs and, you sunk, and you're and you able to get Anthony Richardson back healthy, is this like, would, would the Colts do it? I don't think so. Yeah. Because throwing a rookie back out there in the middle of the playoffs would not be the smartest decision, especially one coming off a rotator cuff injury. But this team is fun to watch and I think that's a really big testament to Shane Steichen and what he has built on this offense and the defense is playing really well too like they have they have guys on that defense who can flip a game
2: the Colts were in the pits of hell and that's why Shane Steichen is my coach of the year like um and he did not I'm not making it seem like D'Amico Ryan's his job was easy but he did not have all of the draft capital the you know the recent draft capital kind of hanging out like I mean the Colts have been stuck and like, Shane Steichen has proven to me, again, I don't want to dump on Frank Reich after last week, but, like, how horrible of a coach Frank Reich is. Like, I mean, not having your starting quarterback is kind of like a Hallmark quality of the Colts at this point in time. But, like, and it certainly helps that he has a quarterback who he's familiar with in Gardner Minshew, obviously. But, like, he's making it work without Anthony Richardson, without Jonathan Taylor. They obviously moved on from Shaq Leonard recently. Like, they are they are grimy in, in a really fun and respectable way. Um, they're totally a playoff team for me. Um, they're, this is the first time the Colts have been fun in a long time. Like, I can't recall, and maybe some of those Andrew Luck teams,
0: whatever. Andrew Luck years, yeah. I'd say, yeah. But like, even, but that even before that, like, I, could, I couldn't I could like the Peyton Manning Colts just because of the whole New England, sure. Indianapolis thing. But the Jim Harbaugh Colts, like, I like that team. The team that lost on that Hail Mary mm. in the playoffs that I still think was caught, JP, I think you weren't born yet at this point. I heard but, Jim yeah. Harbaugh Colts and I was like, oh. Yeah. They used to wear, yeah, he, was like, he was their quarterback for a while. They used to have why.
2: blue face masks. It was really cool.
0: Yeah it was all the all white with blue face masks that's cool why don't we do that
2: yeah yeah bring it back i mean you know what i mean like we would love to see that um this was great it was a really fun game i don't have like a negative thought on tennessee uh but they're just wandering in the distance you know what i mean like i don't you know i threw this out uh mark on the friday show recently um obviously we don't know what's going to happen in new england but let's just uh, let's fast forward ourselves and say that there is a, a a mutual parting of ways with bill belichick he goes who knows where who's to say mike vrabel isn't traded for like, like, is that like, does that help? Like, I feel like that's I'm just throwing that out for conversation's sake. Like, Mike Vrabel's too talented of a coach to be with this Titans team at this point in time to go
0: to New England, though. Well, I mean, mean but if they, you like, if, you, Drake, if, you, if you, like you need to like... restart
2: the Patriot way, like, who's the like perfect candidate for that? Do you want I mean, Ben Johnson or yeah. Mike Vrabel?
0: No, I mean, I, I think Mike, it'd be nice to see Mike Vrabel come home, but I mean, I, I think we're also learning that maybe 70, 80% of the Patriot way was having Tom Brady as your quarterback. Like I, I think the mythology of the Patriot way has kind of taken a hit. So I don't know if that's the direction they want to go to sort of recreate the Patriot way magic. Maybe just get, you know, Ben Johnson to work with Drake may or Caleb Williams or Jaden Daniels or Joe alt. I don't know what happens with the Titans this off season. It's going to be a really
3: interesting off for them. Uh, Rand Carthen, the new GM, did not pick Mike Vrabel as his head coach. He was kind of like he was there, and then right. they, you know, Rand Carthen was hired. So maybe they go in a different direction. Maybe Mike Vrabel's just like, yeah, man, I've had enough. I think it's time for a new challenge. But, you know, there is always the, uh, I hate to continue to bring it up because Ohio State
2: fans will get mad at me. I, was, <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, it's it's right there. But, but like to that point, I mean. But, wait, wait, but
0: out looks like Cam Ward's going to Ohio
2: State. Even again, fact. That was just sort of like
0: touched about. Ryan Clark just sort of tweeted that out like in the past half hour or so. Factoring in
2: the Ohio state potential as it lies right now, it just doesn't feel like the Titans timeline fits Mike Vrabel's, you know, like he's, he's ready to be with somebody who's like ready to contend right now. He's he's a still a young head coach, but a successful one. Again, I'm not saying he can't orchestrate or oversee a rebuild, but like, do we want to see that? You know what I mean? Like, I want to see Mike Vrabel involved in legitimate games.
0: Los
3: Angeles Chargers head coach Mike Vrabel.
2: I'm fine with that. Like, I mean, just get him out of Tennessee. It's really how I feel at this point in time. You know, that's that's really what I want more than anything. Oh, the
0: takes when they go like nine and eight next year with Mike Vrabel as the head coach, and it's you've never given Justin Richards, Justin Herbert, a, an offensive minded head coach. Ooh. Oh, that'd be fantastic.
2: And give Kellen that's Moore cool a head coaching job in Tennessee, and and he's yeah. just, just the two. Just, just, Trade well, yeah. the two. You know, Kellen Moore has <laughs> been uh, linked
3: to the Panthers head coaching job, which would be incredibly funny.
2: He interviewed for it. Um, he, I believe he interviewed for it when it went to Matt Rule. Um, so <laughs> and and I believe John Fossil interviewed for it as well. I can't remember, but I think he did as well. So um, you never know. Uh, all right, last game. Uh, Rachelle, you do have your fast forward if you want to use it. The Miami Dolphins boat race. All right. Uh, I guess um, should Tyreek Hill win MVP? Yes. Kyrie
3: kills the MVP,
0: especially if he breaks the receiving record. He's absolutely on pace to do that, too. Like, he's got, what, five games left and just, like, 600 yards or so to get there. At one point in like, his game, he had three catches, and two of
3: them were for 60-yard touchdowns. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's Randy just –
2: Thanksgiving vibes. Yeah. Uh, Sam Howell stinks. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm out. You know what I mean? I know we had a moment where we were all kind of in. I'm out.
3: Gen Z, Jameis Winston.
2: Sometimes, yep.
3: Sometimes you're up. Sometimes you're down. Sometimes you get good Jameis. Sometimes you get bad Jameis. I think also the biggest for, for number is if you really want to rock with Sam Howell next year, you better fix the offensive line because that's yeah. Sam Howell that's the problem. Big he, I've said this. He, like Baker Mayfield, has too much dip on his chip and isn't necessarily the same caliber athlete. As like Josh Allen to have too much dip on the chip, so you need to surround him with a better offensive line. But that's only if you think Sam is the guy.
2: Right. This loss cemented that Ron Rivera will finish below five hundred in all four of his seasons so far with the Washington franchise. Um, and a point we've been talking about on the NFC's mixtape is like, why not fire him and let like see let give Eric enemy you know a shot at this? Yeah. Like, I mean, what I like know. what what are you doing, riding this out? Like, you're this is accomplishing nothing. I kind of think
3: that was a part of the contract that got him away from kansas city like that's just a tinfoil hat thing for me like i think what do you part of like what do part you part of, think what
2: of, what you is, what's your tinfoil hat theory specifically specifically it's they hired eric Bieniemy to be
3: basically the coach in waiting after this year like then they why not let, let him do it now. Him like, now
2: like why not so like why why not give him a shot with sam howell now so you know if he is the guy or not you know what i mean like that's so silly i mean to like, be as bad as possible
3: like, just be I mean, just be as bad as physically possible. Because if Eric enemy comes in and wins games, you're playing yourself out of a premium draft pick.
2: Yeah. That makes sense. I guess. Uh, Rachelle, if you could please join us. And remember um, that I said that you were lovely. Uh, and that I said nice things about the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, and if you could please offer your takes on week 13. Um, your takes on what we had to say. And, of course, crown this week's WP.
1: Yes. Starting with my takes. Scary Terry didn't have a catch. Uh, yes.
0: He got some cardio though. Killed my fantasy team. killed my fantasy team.
1: Um, but that's yeah. embarrassing. So, just bad vibes for the commanders right now. Um, also their star players like Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, not being productive. Hate to see it for them. Uh, you guys already touched on Kyron Williams. Big day for him. Also, a uh, Chuba Hubbard. He had a really productive day, 25 carries, 104 yards, and two touchdowns. I love that Mark uh, mentioned gardner Mitchell's locker room celebration. I was going to mention that as well. I thought it was hopeful.
0: That was tremendous.
1: It was definitely up there. Wasn't there another celebration we talked about? It was like the owner celebrating. It might have been the coach. Oh, it was, was it the Dolphins owner doing the walk? It, it might have been somebody in the locker room a few weeks ago. We talked about that. And it wrote, oh, Jim Irsay. Oh Jim Erson. Yeah, yeah, he was about to fall out. Yes. So that was hilarious. Um, but you guys, points for today. Uh RJ, I really liked your point about Cooper Cup or Mike Evans ending up on the Chiefs roster next year. So something to just keep your eyes out on. Mark, I really like your point about the Lions defense at this point being under the boiler. Very concerning, and JP, I liked your point about how the Saints just continue to repeat misses, and at this point, they just can't afford it. So, yeah, um, today I'm gonna give it to RJ, I think you did a really good job.
2: Congrats to me, um, I earned it, that's really how I feel about this. um, I'm gonna reward myself with a chicken salad sandwich for lunch, I'm very excited about this. Uh, it's not your gross pimento. Abomination they Mark.
0: took that off the a couple of months <laughs>
2: yeah that's disgusting um but if it's all right I'd like to break off 49 percent of my award keep the majority obviously and give it to Florida State JP I know you wrote about this uh they were robbed uh they deserved a spot in the playoff um so I know it's not really a legitimate consolation prize but I just wanted to give some love uh to the Seminoles. JP.
0: they're gonna declare themselves national champions when they finish undefeated right if they why win? wouldn't they? If absolutely if. right. It's a big if because they got sent to Georgia Death Machine,
3: um but if they win, they should absolutely claim a national title well, one hundred percent
2: do I get proud j p for giving them some of my awards? Yes. Okay, thank you very much. We'll be at the parade. We'll give, give you a blow up. at the parade. Yeah, thank you very much. That's really all I want. Uh, Rachelle, you uh, can sit shotgun because you gave uh, me cool. a okay. I like it. Uh, so everyone wins. Mark, you won't have to watch a Patriots game. Don't we? So everyone wins. Uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> let's, um, let's get out of here. As we leave, Mark, I would like you to tell us, since we talked about the pimento cheese thing, uh, something else you find to be delicious that the consensus finds to be disgusting um doritos and salsa holy crap that it was a good answer that
0: sounds gross (laughs) no it's still a favorite of mine Did it back to my high school like normal
2: doritos or like cool ranch yeah normal doritos in salsa okay all righty yeah mark that's gross hey us